Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sit back, relax, enjoy the program. I'm Big Game Bob, coming to you early, coming to you often. Let's talk the talk. Let's have some fun. Let's go dancing. We're here, the Brilliantly Dumb Show. And ladies and gentlemen, I am wasted. Recording this right now, Monday morning, July 4th was Sunday, which is never a good sign for your Monday morning. And I just can't get over my hangover. You always hear about people talk about being drunk the following morning. I'm there. I'm there right now as we speak. I always thought it was a myth. It's not. I'm blasted. We did July 4th right. And you know why? July 4th is a spectacular holiday. It really is. And I don't think it gets talked about enough. I think when people ask what your favorite holiday is, you're so prone to thinking either Thanksgiving or Christmas that we totally forget about what is, I I think, quite possibly the best day of the year, July 4th, America's birthday. You got to be having fun on July 4th. Grills are going. Suns are shining. It's summer. You know, a lot of times, uh, I think a hangover can kind of go away about 11, 12 o'clock. You catch a second wind. There is no second wind. It's 2 p.m. right now on a Monday. And I can confirm, I am getting no second wind here. I am woozy. I feel concussed. I feel bloated. There's just a lot going on in the system right now. A whole lot. But we got a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. And before we do, let me go ahead and remind you that the Burnley Dumb Show is brought to you by our good friends at Roback. When you talk premium golf apparel, don't talk without Roback in that name. That made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I apologize. Don't talk about golf if you're not talking about Roback, ladies and gentlemen. Premium cotton, premium fits. They do it right. They always have. I'm wearing Roback. You should be wearing Roback. And you can be getting 15% off your first Roback purchase. Go ahead, smash that link. There is no link for you to smash, so I don't know why I'm saying smash that link. But go to Roback.com, type in promo code Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y. Get 15% off your first Roback purchase. Folks, take it from me. You will not regret it. Now, let's go dancing into the show because I got a lot that I want to talk about. And it starts off with the hot dog king, the hot dog eating champion for the past 15, 20, 50 years. Let's talk some Joey Chestnut. I got no issue calling Joey Chestnut an athlete. I think think I'm totally okay with saying Joey Chestnut is a top-tier athlete. What this guy is doing year after year, July 4th after July 4th, is something special. It's something real special, what Joey Chestnut's doing. And I got news for you about Chestnut. This guy's getting better with age. He's getting better with age. We all thought Tom Brady withstood the testament of time. Get a look at what Joey Chestnut's doing. And by the way, Joey Chestnut has been coming back July 4th after July 4th, and he looks stronger. His stomach looks more durable. Joey Chestnut is not slowing down. He just put down 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Call it what you want, folks. But anybody to me that could put 75 ballpark Franks down the hatch in 10 minutes, that's an athlete. 
Call it what you want. Call it what you want. What Chestnut's doing is nothing short of magnificent. And I'll tell you who's not doing a magnificent job is his PR team. If I had a guy that I'm repping that could put down 75 dogs in 10 minutes and be the back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Nathan's hot dog competition champion, I want this motherfucker on billboards somehow, some way. Whatever you got to do, do it. How is Nathan's not sponsoring Joey Chestnut? Poor guy shows up there every single year to the hot dog competition, wears his Nathan's shirt, does what they ask him to do, and this guy doesn't even have a dog named after him in Nathan's. After July 4th, Nathan's just abandons Joey Chestnut, and I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame on Nathan's, and I think it's a shame on Joey Chestnut's PR team because this guy has been entertaining us on America's favorite day for the past 28 years. Could have been beyond that. All I know is from when I was alive. This Joey Chestnut is something special. And it's not like he's just eating the hot dogs. His pop time from the time his hand gets around that bun, he dunks it in the water. I guess to kind of soothing it up a little bit so it goes down the hatch. Forget about what he's doing to the meat. Watch what he does to the bread. The pop time from when the hand goes into that water cup and comes out is out of this world is out of this world what Chestnut's doing. And he just shoots it right down the hatch. It's like nobody else is even competing at these things. It's like nobody else is even there. And the cameraman just stays on Chestnut. And I hope he never leaves. Imagine watching an NBA game and the camera was solely on LeBron James, which usually it is, but you got to watch this motherfucker on the bench. Anywhere Chestnut goes, the camera's watching. And what a day to be famous. What a day to be famous. We always talk about Bob Baffert. And by the way, that take did not age well whatsoever. I'm surprised. I never got a DM about that. I talked about Bob Baffert, the horse trainer, and on how he's the best type of famous. Once a year, the Kentucky Derby, Bob Baffert shows up. His horse wins the race, and everybody wants to be Bob Baffert just for the day. Then he could go to the supermarket the next day. No problem. That didn't age too well. His horse ended up getting tested positive for steroids or some shit. That didn't age well. But what Joey Chestnut has is something special. Imagine being the fucking man on July 4th. If there's one day of the year that you want to be trending, I would probably pick July 4th. Joey Chestnut trends every July 4th. After that, just does his own thing. Builds up his appetite for next year. And he wins. He never has to worry. He has a monopoly on the hot dog industry, ladies and gentlemen. And the fact that this guy isn't postered on a 12-piece of ballpark Franks all over, shame on Nathan's. Shame on Nathan's. Nathan's has done a horrific job themselves, not just Joey Chestnut's PR team. Let's talk about Nathan's for a second. Nathan's famous hot dogs. Phenomenal product. I love Nathan's. You get a little bit of nostalgia when you go to eat the hot dog. One of the first ones to do the crinkled fry correctly. Nathan's does a great crinkled fry. They got cheese fries. The product is there. The marketing is not. 
if you don't live on Coney Island or weren't born in New York any time after the 20s, you don't know what the fuck Nathan's is. Shouldn't be the case. Shouldn't be the case. If I was repping Nathan's, the West Coast would know it. I'm ready to take on In-N-Out Burger if I have to. Nathan's has a good, good product to offer. Nobody knows about it. Joey Chestnut knows about it. Nathan's, if you're listening to the Burnley Dumb Show, unload the bag on Joey Chestnut. This man deserves it. And I'm sick and tired of people not calling Joey Chestnut an athlete. To me, 75 of anything in 10 minutes is an athlete. Joey Chestnut, you keep doing what you're doing, Big Cat. In the meantime, we are moving on. Well, folks, now we're going to go ahead and check in with a young man from the great state of New Jersey. That is a young man by the name of Gerard Gilfone. Gerard called me this morning. I said, Jerry Donna, you ready for the podcast? He said, not necessarily, Bob. I think I'm dying. I said, Jerry, what do you mean you think you're dying? Jerry has a tendency to where if he has a headache, he thinks he's going to die. If his foot hurts, he thinks he's going to have to have his entire leg amputated. Jerry Don tends to think the worst of the worst for whatever he has. So we get a quick 10 from Jerry Don today. He said he's going to gut out 10 minutes for us. And we're going to see what the diesel has to offer. Gerard Gilfone, are you with us? Gerard Gilfone, are you with us? Folks, before we get into our Jerry Don interview, let me apologize to you. Audio is a little bit dog shit here for the interview. Not sure what happened. We're going to be getting a new mic. Get that fixed. We Thanks for sticking with us there. Uh, we're going to bring in Jerry Don. We're going to show the interview. Um, but again, a little bit of a mic issue. Apologies for that. That will be fixed. We love you. We'll keep the show going. Uh, okay. It looks like you got a toothache. What is going on, Jerry? I got COVID, Bob. How do you know you got? What do you mean you got COVID, Jerry? You're sure that it's COVID, Jerry? Read all the symptoms, Bob. I got, I got pain in my neck. I got pain in my neck. I got a runny nose, right? And I got my 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 molar tooth, whatever you call the back tooth. That's bad. That's in bad shape. Jerry, I, Jerry, the pain in your neck and the molar tooth, I don't think have anything to do with COVID what, whatsoever. So I don't know where, I, you, I don't know if you asked Jeeves for this. Where, where did you do your research, Don? I've seen it on Google. I've seen a YouTube video as well. This girl was saying pain in the left side of the neck is de- definitely 100% COVID. Bob, uh, listen, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to make it back from this. Donnie, are you on Reddit or something ridiculous? Because the pain in your molar has nothing. And by the way, did you, did somebody give you that little neck guard that you got going there, Don? No, it's a COVID mask, Bob. The COVID mask, but you're home, Jerry. These are your home. You're in your bed. Yeah, well, my mom said I got to put the mask on at all times. And are you going to go to a doctor or something, Diesel? You know, I'm just afraid if I go to the doctor, they're going to tell me it's not COVID. That's why I ain't going to go. Now, let me ask you this, though, Don. You send me a picture today, okay? We talked this morning. <laughs> Ten minutes, Bob, I think I'm dying. The cough doesn't sound great, Jerry. The cough doesn't sound great. You said, I think I'm dying. Okay, so no problem, Don. If you check in, you check in. What do you do? You send me a picture an hour later with you cooking king crab legs on yep. the stick. My question to you is, Jerry Don, did you all of them feel well enough to make – when somebody's sick – you usually mm-hmm. find them in their backyard making king crab legs on the barbecue. You know what I mean, Don? 
Yeah, no, you're right about that. But I was doing it in a hoodie, so I wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I was doing it in a, in a big hoodie. It's like 82 degrees outside, so Where, it didn't really bother me. And talk me through the process of making those crab legs, Jerry Dunn. Oh, if you ever want to make king crab legs, the only way to do it is on the grill. You get them when they're already uh, when they're already uh, what you call when they're already uh, steamed. Then you throw them on the grill for a couple minutes, five minutes, heat them up. Then they get like a little black char on the outside. Do we do a little bit of drawn butter on the side there, Don? Yeah, butter in Old Bay. Do you know what I've, I've wondered, Diesel? And I think probably don't want to talk food while you're sick and you just have the crab legs. But do you ever notice with crab legs, I feel like the more expensive crab leg is easier to cut? Oh, 100%. You know, when you when room. when you start buying the snow crab legs, the ones that are like fourteen ninety nine a pound, yeah, th- those if you notice the shell on those, it just rips. It, it doesn't tear perfect. It just like rips the top layer. Whereas the only thing I worried about with the legs that you had on there was it looked like those thin legs that are so tough to get. The problem with crab legs is they're so damn expensive, Jerry D. So I actually commend you for stepping up to the plate and saying, you know what, I'll take whatever crab I can get. But they did look a little thin to me, Don. They were a little thin. Those were the snow ones. Don, I, I tell you what, you don't you don't sound good. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that you have said but I will say that Jerry Diesel does not sound good right now. Do we go back to work tomorrow? Lord, I hope not. Yeah, I'm going back to work. You, you're going back to work? Oh, yeah. Jerry, so let me get this straight. You think you have COVID and you're going to go back to work. What if your Mueller's not healed by tomorrow? You know, I just got to suck it up, Bob. I got no more I days to take off. <laughs> Don, I am telling you, the answer is not to suck it up. The answer is to stay home and have somebody clarify that you got COVID. There's COVID out there. Yeah, but then you got to go to the urgent care for that. Well, so be it. You got to go to the urgent care. You got to find out whether or not you got COVID, Jerry. But I can promise you this. The back molar being sore has nothing to do with it. You could have came out with a T-shirt to barbecue, a sweatshirt. I don't think it would have had anything to do with that, Jerry Diesel. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do? I think I'm gonna quit. I think I'm gonna quit smoking. Okay. I mean, you could possibly quit smoking. Why not? I don't see. What, so you had you had two frosties today, and then you had the crab legs. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what. Go ahead. With the crab legs, I think I think they should come up with a different type of dip than butter. Well, see, I almost think it's they broke. Don't fix it. The butter's so good. Yeah, but then you smell like the butter for a long time. Well, it's like a cigar. You have a cigar, it's going to stay with you for some long time. But do you not enjoy the taste of dipping it in the butter, Don? I like it. It's just I don't like the smell of it. Like, you could go take a shower, and then your lip smells like butter and, and fish. So what would you prefer? You're a chef, Don. I feel like you could do a special side. I do like a little mayo type of thing. You do? like a, Are we talking like a chipotle mayo? Something like that, but like a lot less, like, not like as thick. Did you get frustrated with today's crab and pulling it out, especially being sick while doing it? Yeah, after the first two bundles, I was done. I didn't want to do it no more. Can I ask you another question, Don, that just popped up? Go ahead. I'm thinking about the Frosties that you had today, okay? And I'm a big Frosty guy. I'm a big Frosty guy. What would you say 
is the most underrated fast food item out there. Like what's one fast food chain? They do this. Nobody's talking about it. People talk about the Frosties. They know. But I still find the Frosty to be underrated because I think it should be talked about more. What's an underrated Mm -hmm. fast food item for Jerry Diesel? I would honestly have to go with the apple pie from uh, from Popeyes. The apple pie from Popeyes. That's yep. definitely slept on because I haven't heard of it. Very good. You Sugary think- on the outside. You think- nice and warm on the inside. Is the Popeyes chicken sandwich better than the Chick Fil A chicken sandwich? I think so. You do, huh? I think actually Burger King might take this one away. Burger King's got an interesting sandwich in the works. Have you had that yet? Yeah, I had it. It was really, really good. Really? See, I would go out and try that. That's something that I would get into. They just give you like 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 four or five pickles with like a spicy mayo, but the chicken is so crispy. Speaking of crispy, how good are those fries? I, I will not sleep on the Burger King fries. Another thing we don't really get talked about, Tom. See, I don't like Burger King fries. You don't like the burger. What's your top three fries, Don? Talk fries to me for a second. Jeez. Number one would one number one would be McDonald's. Number one is the go to McDonald's. I'll give you that. Then number two would be Five Guys. Interesting. Didn't see that coming. A lot of and then three three Chick Fil A. Love the Chick Fil A, Don, and I'm, I'm I'm very happy to hear you say that because those waffle fries deserve a top three rating. They really do. <laughs> now, let oh me yeah, get this Don. Before we get you going, okay. Mm-hmm. What do you do to heal up? You've had a long day. You're sure you got COVID. I'm not so sure you have COVID. I hope you don't show up to work tomorrow. I really don't, Jerry. Talk me through this, Don. What does Don do to heal up? Got a got a, my mom's friend coming over. She's going to bring me a cake for my uh, six years sober. And then I'm going to have a piece of cake with chocolate milk. And that's it. Don, and by the way, big congrats to you. Six years sober, Jerry Diesel. And you got to look at yourself, Jerry Don, and look what you're doing here and how on top of things you are. And you got to be really proud of yourself, Jerry Don, when you think about the journey. Yeah, no, I'm proud for sure. It's a big accomplishment. You know what I mean? It's a much different Gerard than six years ago and a much better Gerard Guilfoyle. Yeah, but it's still one day at a time. One day at a time, Jerry Diesel. One day <laughs> at a time, Jerry Don. Don, listen. You keep doing it, okay? Do me a favor. Don't go to work, all right? Get COVID tested. Do it the right way, okay? And we yeah. need to have you back, and we'll have you back on, ready to rock and roll. The Jersey Jerry we all know and love. Talk to us, Don. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Oh. Are you going to <clears throat> Jesus Christ. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? got to use the restroom, bro. Diesel. Is this necessary, Don? Oh. Why pick up? Oh, I'm sick, Bob. Are you going to wipe that over? <laughs> oh, he's hurt. <coughs> All right, Jay, do me a favor. Don't go to work. Heal up. Get back. Get COVID tested. Do it the right way. I don't think you have COVID. Get that tooth fixed. We love you. We appreciate you. Happy six years for the big fella. Nobody's in your corner like me, Jerry Don, forever. <laughs> Later, Bob. Thank you. Seeing the funny Seeing the funny I hosted a party. I got a rooftop now. Nice apartment complex. Got a couple grills. I said, you know what? I'll have some people over. 
this girl comes by, friend of a friend, and she shows up to the party with chicken dip, a buffalo, real nice buffalo chicken dip. And it came in one of those serving trays, one of the, sir, the, the silver serving trays. Whenever you see that and you see the aluminum foil above it, you know that's a good dish, that this person coming to the party took a lot of time out of their day to make something good. It happened to be buffalo chicken dip, and it was spectacular. And I noticed as a host, I'm, I'm always watching what people are bringing, and I'm always kind of gauging who's bringing what. Would I say anything to anybody if they brought too much, too little? No, I wouldn't address it. But I just like to take a mental note on who's bringing in what. And I do that even if I'm not hosting, when I'm hosting 10 times more. But I watched this girl come in with a buffalo chicken dip and it's an instant hit. It's it's the talk of the party is that buffalo chicken dip. And you know, because you just have a swarm of people surrounding it. Came out nice and hot, spectacular. What she was going to do is she said she was at our party. She said she was going to go see a friend at another party just to stop by, show face, and then come back to my party later at night. Usually when somebody says they're going to do that, you don't see them the third time. In this case, we did. But she gets going to go to the second party. This girl takes the buffalo chicken dip with her. Half of a tray of buffalo chicken dip. She's taking it to the next party. So everybody's talking, having a good time. I'm watching from the corner with a cigar in my mouth. And I'm thinking, she's taking the buffalo chicken dip. She's taking it to party number two. She's going to walk into party number two with half of a buffalo chicken dip. I'm also thinking, now I got to find the new thing to fulfill the party. Because that was the hit. Do I throw some burgers on the grill? Do I walk down the Ralph supermarket, get a couple sausage links? Good piece of bread, little peppers on top of there. Something's got to fulfill the buffalo chicken dip. This girl's taking it. So she goes to her next party with the dip. I watch the tray go away. She comes back to the third party with the buffalo chicken dip. A quarter of the buffalo chicken dip. By the time this chicken dip got to the third party, which was back to my place, I've never seen a chicken dip look exhausted It looked dehydrated. Do you know how many hands were in this dip? Do you know the different assortment of crackers that this buffalo chicken dip seen? She's taking it around half of Los Angeles. We've had two to three different Ubers get their hands on that buffalo chicken dip. And she brought it back the third time. It was hot. I don't know because it was 100 degrees out or what. But this she, this girl's just taking ship a chicken dip around town. The dip looked exhausted. That buffalo chicken dip had no idea what it was in for to start the day. I'll tell you what right now. That buffalo chicken dip had no idea what it was in for to start the night. I mean, I, I don't. Is that nervy? It's got to be nervy. As good as the dip is. For this party number two, if somebody walks into party number two with half of a buffalo chicken dip that we've already been into at at party number one, are you a little pissed off? Is that a nervy play? I mean, if you're going to make the dip, you might as well double dip the dip and make two dips if you follow with me. Starting the process, getting the ingredients of the buffalo chicken dip is the hardest part.
if you're already there and you know you're going to two parties, you might as well just make two dips. She made one dip, three parties, and did a triple header with it. She just took it place to place, party to party. The buffalo chicken dip had sunburn on top of it. It had been left out for so long. This thing just looked exhausted. There was different breadcrumbs from each party, finger to finger, just stuck into the dip. Poor thing was exhausted. The tray was just begging for mercy. The cheese, the Frank's Red Hot she put in there just had enough by the time it got back to our party. I've never seen a play like that. And I, and I would love the fan engagement here. I'd be very curious to see filing the DMs. Is that a nervy play or do you commend the play? Do you commend the fact that this girl put in the effort to make sure this Buffalo chicken dip was shared on three different occasions and went to three different parties. If I leave half of a veal chop at dinner, I'm going to take a doggy bag. But if we're going to another bar after that, I ain't taking the doggy bag. Nobody wants to be the guy walking around the bar or a party with your dinner that you just had in your hand. Not a good look. This girl did it to three different parties. And you would think with how exhausted that dip looked that nobody would go into it when she came back to my party. People were digging right back in with the same chips and crackers they had before. That buffalo chicken dip saw bread. It saw crackers. It saw hands. Just savagery. Wow, I couldn't believe she brought it back. I don't know. Is it nervy? Is it not? Never seen that type of play. I still can't wrap my head around it. It's really bothered me. Anywho, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Brilliant Dumb Show, we are moving on. Well, folks, call me crazy, maybe so. But I do believe it is indeed that time, that time for everybody's favorite segment. It's the Ask Bob. Segment week by week, voicemails are back better than ever. 848-281-7906. That's 848-281-7906. Fire away. Taking me up on that is a young man from San Diego. We got Douglas from San Diego, California. Douglas, start us off right, big fella. Hey there, Bob. It's Douglas from San Diego, a longtime listener calling in for the first time. You know, I was catching up on the pod the other day as I was out driving, uh, and I heard the story about Jeff Bezos, um, the Joey Coldcut Santa story. Those were fantastic. Uh, you know, my dad works in hotels for his entire career, and, and he's got just an endless amount of stories to tell from working in, in higher-end hotels, and, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, my question is, you know, it, do you have a story that, that's maybe a personal favorite of yours that you'd like to tell that maybe you haven't shared yet? Maybe the context for this story hasn't come up yet. You haven't been able to neatly fit one in. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've got a, a fantastic story out there for us. Um, that's all I got for you. I love the content. Keep it up. See ya. Yeah, that's a great question because when you go to these, I, I think the, uh, working at a hotel is some of the best networking you could possibly do. I mean, I was working at the Four Seasons Beverly Hills Hotel and that's what I was going to do when I came out to California. I was going to work in the hotels and I never knew that I could do this full time. 
you know, at the time. So my cousin worked in hotels, a very nice hotel out here, and he was the general manager there. He got me set up at the Four Seasons over in California, and I knew I wanted to do luxury hotels. Dumb, dumb as a rock academically, but in hospitality, I was just able to really connect with guests, and I was meeting a lot of people from it, shaking a lot of hands. Anybody that comes in the door is usually a somebody because it's such a high-end hotel, so I couldn't get enough of it. And the stories that we have, a lot of them that I, you know, I've told on the podcast, but the stories we have are just, I mean, the things you'll see at a hotel is, is totally nuts. And that's where I met Joey Coldcuts, who was working at the restaurant in the hotel. He was the manager at the restaurant. I was the manager for guest services out front. And we would work the PM shift. So all the big dogs and the, the general manager, rooms director, all the top, top dogs would leave, you know, they would come in the morning, say eight o'clock out of there by five. And then that would leave dickheads like myself, Joey Coldcuts, practically to run the entire four seasons, Beverly Hills, depending what department you were running. I was in charge of guest services. Coldcuts was the restaurant. And we just saw a lot of shit from it. And we have stories for days. Um, I've told it on the podcast, Rudy Gobert, was staying with us. He was going to the Staples Center. A lot of the NBA team stayed with us because it was close to the Staples Center. And he left his shoes. And I had to drive Rudy Gobert's shoes to the Staples Center. And I called up Joey Coldcuts, who's working at the time. And I said, look, Coldcuts, Rudy forgot his shoes. We've got to bet Lakers. We, we, we have to lay hard on the Lakers. He says, okay, rip it, rip it, rip it. Slow down. Don't get to the Staples Center fast. They need Rudy Gobert why we would ever think that Rudy Gobert didn't have a backup pair of shoes is totally beyond me, but we bet against Rudy Gobert. I drop off the shoes and the Rudy Gobert has a monster night, a monster monster night. The Lakers won. We covered the spread, but Gobert went off just nuts, but we saw a lot of shit. Um, one, one of my favorite things is we had a Saudi prince that was going to be staying with us stays in the top penthouse money is not an issue paying 20,000 a night, 30,000 a night, whatever it is. There was a Saudi prince that was going to stay with us. And these guys are, they're hardcore. They got their Butler with them and they needed another Butler that spoke English that worked at the hotel that could relay what the, what the prince needed, whether food, relay food items. So I would get the orders from his butler. The butler would relay it to me, and then I would contact the appropriate department. I wasn't supposed to be up there. I volunteered to go up there because nobody wanted to be this guy's butler. The guy was scary as shit. He, he was a scary, scary dude to where you could tell the people working with him were very scared. He would put in an order and his butler would be freaking out to me. Where is it? Where is it? Please get it. Please get it. It was scary. But this guy, this Saudi prince was tipping me left and right. He was calling me Mickey for Mickey Mouse because I was always fucking smiling and trying to make people laugh. Um, and half of them didn't even speak English, but the prince spoke English. So he had heard me while he's in the living room the whole time. And this guy is firing tips at me. Just, I'm talking $500, envelopes, $500. Anything that I do, he was ripping me with big tips. So I had left my department for about a week and a half, two weeks, 
to serve for this print. So I would go into work and instead of going to my team, somebody covered for me and I would go right up to the penthouse to take care of the prints. He wanted a bottle of wine that nobody could find. Cold Cuts was working at the time. And the guy, the prince is in the living room. The lights were always dim. You could never go in the living room. You didn't want to go in there. I stayed outside with the, with the co-butler and the co-butler was very serious on making sure that we stayed quiet. If the lights were dim, you don't bother them, but they wanted a, they were watching a movie. They wanted a bottle of wine. So I call cold cuts. I said, cold cuts, you got to get up here. I need a bottle of wine. I need it bad. Cold cuts knew if he brought the wine, he was going to get tipped big because he heard how much the guy was tipping me. I said, you got to find any excuse you can get to get up there, get up there. So I'm telling cold cuts what wine to get. And it's dead silent in the room. Cold cuts does not even knock on the door, bursts into the Saudi prince's penthouse, goes right by me, bursts in. He goes, gentlemen, I have two Rolls Royces of wine for you here tonight. The first wine I got is a red blend 2006 Cabernet. And he's so fucking loud. And I'm in the other room saying, cold cuts, cold cuts, shut the fuck. You're going to wake the prince. Shut. And he just keeps going and he can't hear me. The co-butler goes running up to cold cuts and pleads him to quiet down. And cold cuts just has no regard for volume levels, he bursted into this penthouse and wanted to serve that fucking bottle of wine. And I'm screaming at him, Cole, it's quiet, quiet, quiet. You're going to wake the prince. You're going to wake the prince. Shut up. And he just got louder and louder and louder. He ends up selling it. And we talked about it for, we still talk about it till this day. It was just hysterical to watch how hot cold cuts came in to a Saudi prince and try and sell these guys on a bottle of wine was hysterical. Um, but yeah, so we see so much different shit. Uh, something that I haven't told Bob Saget was running a comedy event at the hotel. I'm valet guest services has valet under its umbrella. So I'm outside during these events busting my ass going car to car making sure the cards are moving up the lines are moving up four seasons policies keep it rolling guests can't be waiting for over 20 seconds trying to live up to this get people in and out and all of a sudden these big time comedians start rolling in for bob saget's charity event dave Chappelle comes in um it, it was it was non-stop comedians and i was in all my glory you know comedy being what i want to do and they go to have the event. I knew the banquets manager very well who was running the event. And I knew if I wanted to, I could go see Dave Chappelle perform for free. Second row, right where catering was to where I could just watch the whole thing. But I couldn't go because it was just so busy and I didn't think that I was going to make it. Um, and the doorman at the time he turned to me and he said, you know, Bob, are you going to go watch Dave Chappelle? I said, Andrew, you know, I, I, I can't. I said, it's too busy right here. There's no way I could get away with it. He looked at me. He goes, Rob, he goes, we do this five times a week, all the time. Who gives a fuck if you miss 20, 25 minutes of the event to go see Dave Chappelle? He goes, this is what you want to do. He goes, get your ass in there and go watch him perform. He said, give me the keys. Tell me what I need to do. And he was so right. He was like, what? 
thinking about it, how often does somebody have this type of opportunity um, to go see Dave Chappelle right there for free, um, you know, and watch it from the kitchen and banquets. And I went in there and Dave Chappelle lit the place up. He was unbelievable. It's like he didn't even go to a structured material because it was a charity event. So he didn't really care. So he was just totally winging it. And as good as the guy is, he's incredible. This is like the best I had ever seen him because nothing was structured. He just didn't give a shit. He went off the cuff. And to me, it was 10 times funnier. And here I am watching it. I go back to the driveway to go see how the doorman's doing. The place is a mess. There's cars all over the place. There's people waiting to get in. So I came out and we were laughing about it, but I was so thankful for him for telling me to go in because I'll never have that chance again to be able to see Dave Chappelle that close. And again, for free. So there was just shit like that, that was constantly coming up in different stories and, um, you know, meeting different people. That was awesome. And then the last one that I'll go into to close us off is another one that I think we would have spoken about is the Will Smith story. And I was working at a hotel in Miami and I was the doorman and he would stay with us all the time. He was shooting bad boys. Um, so he would practically live with us and we became very close. He was so nice. He's just a classy guy. I would see him. I'm the doorman. So I'm holding the door open for him. Every time Will Smith comes down, we built a very good relationship. So I'm working as the doorman and the owner of a hotel that was up and coming comes to me and offers me a job to go work for him, give me a raise, the whole nine yards. I end up doing it and I end up to go be a doorman over there. And I just loved opening doors, talking to people, talking to families. I was making good money because they would tip me. I would make them happy. It just, I was having a blast with it. I was good at it. And I go over to this new hotel and my new manager is such a prick. He was just a grade A asshole just a total douchebag. And I'm really not enjoying myself. I'm hating the hotel. I'm so upset that I left my old job that I loved that I was having so much fun with. I got this boss who's a prick. And I go into work one morning and we go into our briefing and they tell us that Will Smith is going to be arriving now at our hotel, this new hotel. He wants to try out the new hotel. We want to win his business. So my boss, who was a prick, was a huge Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan, monster Will Smith fan, could tell you every movie that he's been in, just loved him. And I'm thinking to myself, if this guy comes in and recognizes me, it would be the most incredible thing in the world. If Will comes in and comes and says hello to me over my boss, who's going to meet him and just try and schmooze him, it would be unbelievable. So we're waiting out for his arrival. We know exactly when he's arriving. The owner comes out to greet him, general manager. Anybody who's anybody at that hotel comes out to greet Will. I'm standing there in my doorman suit with a bunch of welcome beverages on a little platter that we would serve. So I'm holding these beverages and I'm out there with my boss who's going to meet Grill, uh, who's going to be there to meet Will. And I'm holding on to this platter and I'm just waiting for him. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, if he fucking remembers me. Will's car pulls up. I see his driver. I've known his driver for so long. So I see his driver right away. My manager goes right up to Will to go say hello to him. Car door opens. And Will goes to get his bags. 
turns back around. My manager's trying to talk to him, and he sees me right there with the tray of welcome cocktails in my hand, and his eyes light up. And he goes, Mom, man, I dropped that cocktail tray. I put that thing on the concrete so fast, and I go up to Will and just dab him right up. He totally disregards my manager who had his keys and was going to walk him up to the room, dabs me up, gives me a big hug in front of all my managers, general manager, everybody. I take the keys from my boss. I said, Mr. Smith, let me show you right on up to the room. Good to see you again. He was so happy to see me. And I went up and all of these executives were looking like, who the fuck is this kid? There I am in my doorman outfit, walking Will Smith right over to the elevator and up to his room. It was phenomenal just to stick it right to this guy. I ended up leaving there, but I will never forget that. And seeing my manager's face when Will just blew by him and came to me was incredible. And of course, I didn't tell my manager that I knew him because I was just praying that he would remember me. Will Smith was the coolest dude ever. Exactly how you would picture just a good, good dude. Uh, just a phenomenal question. I love talking hotels. Again, we've seen so much growing up in hotels and have so much different stories. So phenomenal stuff. On to the next Ask Bob question we go. Yeah, hey, Bob. Uh, this is Ross from uh, South Carolina. I uh, wanted to ask you about something you touched on uh, in your latest episode. Uh, you're out on the course. you got a caddy named Pilo giving you swing advice. Um, obviously, he's an expert on the lay of the land. But what about when you're just playing with some buddies and, and, and people want to give you swing advice and all of a sudden you feel like every swing is under a microscope and, and you just want to play. Not to mention when you hit a bad shot, you're right on the verge of erupting like a volcano. The last thing you want is someone in your ear. Uh, you're a likable guy. You don't ruffle too many feathers. How do you go about approaching this? What do you tell people? How do you say, hey, lay off, just let me play? Uh, big fan. Love the content. Uh, keep it up. Again, Ross from South Carolina. Shout out to all my fellow listeners. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ross. And, and first things first, you know, when the caddy did it to me on the first hole, uh, that I was annoyed. It takes a lot for me to get annoyed. But to do the swing advice on the first hole, if a guy's really struggling and then you want to throw it out there, again, he knows more than I do. Throw it out. But don't get in my head mentally on the first hole. And I think if you're going to offer the advice on somebody's golf swing, it's got to be something that is so obvious and just such a – something that can really help. You better be damn sure, A, that you can really play and you're worth getting the advice from. To me, the problem I have is some guys who are so bad and then put a couple holes together, a couple good holes together, they're feeling good and then want to offer swing advice you just don't do it. I don't do it to anybody else unless to me it's so obvious and I know that I can help them. Uh, Joey Coldcuts, another Joey Coldcuts, he actually, we went out with a head pro uh, a couple weeks ago, really nice course, and everybody seems to be a head pro. Uh, but we went out with him and he is just getting Coldcuts lessons from start to finish, just every single hole. Finally, Coldcuts turned to him. And said, do me a favor, let's just play. Let's just have some fun. That's kind of throwing up the white flag as far as no more tips. Let me go out there and have some fun. That's what we all want to do. I think the cold cuts approach is the play. And it worked like a charm. 
and then it stopped. But if you're going to get the advice, it's, it's such a pet peeve for a lot of people. You better be damn sure, A, you're playing very good and it's worth taking the advice from, and B, you know it's going to help them. That's a small fix. You know, no small tweaks that they're going to try and do on the course. If they really want to learn, they'll go get, it, they'll go get lessons. Phenomenal question. Phenomenal way to wrap up yet another episode of the Burnley Dumb Show. We talked a little bit July 4th. We checked in with Jerry Don. We got the ass Bob in. We're going to keep the content train rolling, ladies and gentlemen. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell their friends. And if you want the bonus content, head on over to the Patreon the Brilliantly Dumb Show on Patreon. Get subscribed. Get the extra content. Get the weekly happy hours. We love you. I appreciate the living hell out of all of you. Take care, folks.